0: Hello, I am Jeremy Kingsbury. This is Way2Twog's Bagpipe and History podcast, the show where you come along with me as I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Let's listen to some tunes. Hello everyone. Uh this week's episode is brought to you by Okay, well, not really, but basically brought to you by John Charles uh Beushaltz. Beushaltz? Gonna pronounce that name wrong cuz I pronounce everybody's name wrong. Um got a lot going on this week. Uh a lot going on lately. Um, but uh, yeah, this episode is almost exclusively going to be uh, Lolan piping on a lovely set of Banton, uh, Nate Banton border pipes that uh, listener and like serious supporter, John Charles, uh, sh- uh, sent me, <laughs> just sent me to enjoy while uh, he's not really in a position to be able to play them for a little bit. And I am in love with them. Uh, so that's going to be kind of the highlight of the... That's mostly what's going to be on this episode, is me uh, getting to terms and playing through a bunch of tunes on these pipes. Um, You might have noticed the title of it, Season Intermission. Uh, This is going to be the last episode for a while. Um, At the end of last season, I was kind of going every other week, and... Uh, I've been so excited to talk about stuff that I've been going every week, and uh, I need to I need to slow down. <laughs> I need to slow down a bit. So um, I've decided to have this be the last episode I post until I finish the chapter that I'm working on for my dissertation, uh, and then I'll be back. Uh, I really enjoy doing the show, so I'm thinking that'll be a good motivator to get me to finish, uh, especially because I've got lots of cool new things to show you. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that more um, tunes on this week's episode so from james aired i'm gonna play mucking jordy D- jordy's buyer and lads with the kilts from william dixon i'm gonna play hey for new biggin uh, minuet edward II second over the dyke until her lady and stool of repentance from david young i'm gonna play the border reel from dave rollins i'm gonna play jim harding's waltz from billy pig setting i'm gonna play skycrofters from david glenn i'm gonna play dr brett's supper uh yeah that's uh that's a lot of tunes, isn't it? Um, anyway, so uh, a fair amount of music. Uh, it sort of feels like a million things, like like just weeks and weeks have passed since last time I had an episode. So um, yeah, so, so much has happened. Uh, I guess we should consider that part of like what's in the mail or the mail coach since I literally got some pretty stellar mail this week. So anyway, let's go to the mail coach section of the episode. <laughs> I guess the thing to start with is the actual mail I got in the mail, which is just shocking. Um, but yeah, like I said, John Charles has been kind of listening and supporting and asking cool questions and stuff um, for a while on the podcast, and uh, yeah, a couple, I guess a month ago or so, in the in the middle of the coldest, bleakest part of winter, uh, he asked if I would be interested in borrowing his Banton border pipes. And I obviously said yes, but I was a little terrified about the notion of them going through the mail. So uh, this week, uh, it kind of warmed up, and uh, he just like made my weekend by shipping them. And I've been coming to terms with him ever since. Uh, I did have a bit of a pickle at first. The, the bag seems to be a little bit smaller than would be ideal for me. And I was holding it in kind of a funky way as I got used to it. But... Um, it was causing my arm to go numb, and that scared me. I was a little afraid of kind of developing nerve damage from repetitive strain. So uh, anyway, I fixed it by uh, talked to Nate Banton, who kind of recommended adjusting the bag positioning, uh, and John Daly also kind of looked at a video of me playing and said that my um, that I should try to keep my arms straight, and then looking back at it, like, oh yeah, it is hard, like, 90 degree churn, so, uh, anyway, I was able to add an extension from the Chao Lindsay kind of 3D printed chanter, uh, and that made the chanter stock a little bit longer, which helped, and then also adjusting the position, so I'm, um, so yeah, just really drastically adjusting the position and where my bellows are has has helped, so no longer numb, and I can play these things as long as I want, which is a lot, I really love playing them. Got some kind of mixed feedback, I guess, from last episode. Uh, Got somebody arguing that bagpipes were, in fact, outlawed, and I don't understand that because I don't understand legal uh, precedent in common law. Um, I will say that the decision that, you know, that everybody cites as, oh, this is how bagpipes became outlawed also mentions that uh, trumpets and drums are weapons of war, and those weren't outlawed. Uh, Also mentions, uh, well, also, like, later on, Jacobites and pipers, like pipers, are set free. So anyway, this this idea that bagpipes are outlawed, lot—I I might do a whole, I guess, a whole episode on it. Like it's sort of a thing. I didn't know was still a problem amongst pipers. I included that in the last episode because I thought there'd be a lot of non-pipers listening in <laughs> that all believe that still. So uh, anyway, I might do a bit deeper of a dive. Uh, I'm really thankful for kind of getting some further details from Keith Sanger and uh, James McDonald Reed kind of talking about those court cases and Jacobite Pipers, and how this isn't really a thing that they were outlawed, but it just keeps on rearing its ugly head. So the other bit of mail that I got, or kind of email, uh, came from uh, per- essentially the person that pays for the podcast to exist, so uh, I've talked about this before I think, but you know, I started the podcast 15 years ago or so, but you know, it would just kind of drop off pretty intermittently uh, and during COVID, i was thinking of rebooting it and was asking a buddy of mine nick kriz about where he was hosting his let's play dnd podcast and if it was a good service and that sort of thing just kind of asking questions and nick was very kind at this time explaining everything uh, in several emails and then he just kind of sent me an email with a link and he had kind of bought the domain and set the podcast up and he's been paying for it ever since which has been incredibly generous um, but anyway, Nick sent me an email that uh, the Very Good Adventuring team, which is their Let's Play D&D podcast, is no more. They're posting their last episode on Sunday, uh, and he'll leave it live for a good bit of time uh, until kind of the downloads dry up. But um, yeah, so that's a bummer. Um, if you enjoy a Let's Play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, you know, give them a listen. I, I think VGAT is very much... Like, it it really feels like you're, you know, playing D&D with your, you know, friends in high school rather than people that are really refining their art or, you know, uh, voice work and character development, that sort of thing. Uh, But it's a fun, it's a fun listen. It's maybe more fun for me because I know Nick and miss his voice and he was, I think, the first person ever, like, ran a game for me when I was in middle school. Uh, Anyway, so VGAT's going away and uh, at a certain point... He's going to quit hosting the podcast. So, uh, he made it sound like it's going to be a long time, but, uh, either way, I, I probably am going to wind up setting up a Ko fi or Patreon, uh, thing so I can kind of take over, uh, the cost of that. So, it's a weird thing to say, well, I'm taking a break and going to slow down the number of episodes I'm doing. And also, I'm about to ask you to start paying for it. Um, but that's, that's what's going on. So, I'm not sure how fast I'll quite get this sorted, but, uh, Maybe not right away when we come back, um, but but soon. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna let's do a tune. I'm excited to share with you these uh, Nate Batten border pipes. I'm gonna call them border pipes because that's what Nate Batten calls them. Um, I am still kind of parsing my way through what I want to call these things. <laughs> like lowland pipes make sense to me. Uh, real pipes I've heard argued pretty articulately. Cold wind pipes uh, is pretty good, but of course there's lots of pipes that are like that. So definitely an instrument with a naming problem but since these are Nate Banton border pipes it feels all right to call them border pipes. Uh, I'm actually going to play you a tune that is one of my favorite tunes on border pipes. I first heard this and I think it's actually been on the podcast's like 15 years ago uh, in the MySpace days when uh, Way2Tog's podcast of Pipe Power, as it was called, I was kind of meeting pipers in um, the UK and in Europe on MySpace and occasionally playing tracks from them. Uh, and one group was Dave Rollins' uh, band Snake Town, uh, but I've just absolutely loved this tune, and uh, poking around SoundCloud, uh, I was I found it again, I heard um, heard Dave play it, and I was just so in love with it, and I messaged him saying, oh man, this is great, where do I get the music for this? uh and he had written it <laughs> it's like a, kind of a weird uh i just didn't realize that it was an original composition so anyway this is jim harding's waltz uh you can you can and i highly recommend going to check it out on soundcloud um dave plays it it's a three-part set the way dave plays it and he uses border pipes but john swain's border pipes which you know Swain also calls border pipes, but he uses those low D, it's those low D pipes. They're just, they just sound beautiful, but uh, still sound pretty darn good on um, the Banton border pipes too. So, anyway, here it is, Jim Harding's waltz. So if it isn't clear from my uh, introduction here, like, I am brand new on this instrument. Uh, I played it, I think, maybe half an hour in total the first day I got it, and I was so startled from my uh, arm numbness that I didn't play it for a couple days, um, and just spent a couple days doing a bunch of exercise, uh, trying to kind of move around the muscles and nerves in my arm, and uh, I think I played... The second day I had them, I played for 10 minutes, just seeing if I could make it better with the arm position, but my arm started to go numb again, so I put them down for the rest of the day. Uh, I think the third day I did the same thing, didn't go numb. Um, but or I still went numb, but not nearly as much, and still panicked. So didn't play them, hardly played them at all. And then most of these, watch well, actually all of these tunes that you're going to hear are kind of my first full day of playing, realizing that I can, that it wasn't making my arm... Like my arm sometimes goes numb from playing, but I stop playing and it feels better. The first day of playing them, my arm went numb and then it stayed numb for the rest of the day. Um, I think it might have just been like a hypochondriac thing. So I, I, was, I was worried about it. Anyway, not the case now. Um, but I so anyway, that is all just to say uh, to kind of make apologies or excuses for the unsteadiness of the drones and, and things. I'm still still getting familiar with this instrument um and I, and I love it love it so much i had kind of hoped honestly that john charles would send it to me and i would play them and be like meh i'm not i'm not into it uh that would save me some money but uh i absolutely love the sound of these things and being able to play them so definitely have a set of border pipes or lowland pipes in my future of my own um, anyway let's do another tune um one of the things that uh like attracts me to this instrument you know as it's kind of extended range so uh this is definitely i'm kind of playing these in order of, of chronology and kind of worst to best or, or worse to better uh so i'm going to start with mucking out geordie's buyer this is a tune in james aired collection and it is you know it sits perfectly in the highland pipe range with the exception of one note it has the um the high b note and uh these Banton pipes can pinch up pretty pretty successfully i'm still kind of coming to terms with how to do it um but anyway so this is my first attempt at it well my first attempt was a god-awful rendition of auld lang syne uh which i am sparing you (laughs) from from hearing but um mucking out geordie spire is a little rough but not too bad but you can hear that high b note this tune sounds familiar to me i'm not sure if somebody else has recorded it and i've listened to it um, but i do notice another james aired tune that i'm going to be playing the same tune is on that page, but it's called Tam Glen rather than mucking out Geordie Spire. But uh, and actually, the Tam Glen setting is pretty close. It's a little bit closer to what I'm playing because I had the tune stuck in my head. Uh, if that makes sense. So, anyway, here is mucking out Geordie's Spire. Right, and Duncan Johnston. I forgot that I did that. Um, yeah, so that the second tune was Duncan Johnston, kind of roughly how Gordon Duncan plays it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's been really, um, it's been really interesting having a, a correspondence with James McDonald Reid. My understanding of kind of Lowland by bi- piping uh, as a tradition has shifted radically this week, um, thanks to talking with him. I, I was under the belief that. Um, you know that lowland and border piping went extinct and that um you know through hard work people figured out that that tradition like the tunes the repertoire was still alive and well and northumbrian piping and that's true, um, but it also seems that it didn't exactly go extinct. So uh, James McDonald Reed was talking to people that had kind of knowledge, first-hand knowledge of, of border piping and definitely knew people that knew people and kind of the earliest iteration of the Lowland Piper Society, which was started was about 10 years before the current iteration of it. I'm not 100% right or 100% clear on these details, but um, James has been kind of pointing out when... I'm hoping to have James on the podcast uh, in the not too distant future. I'm also hoping that uh, maybe some people that are more regular members that kind of understand the history better uh, from the Lowland Border Piper Society are able to write a good kind of interview or history with James's help that talks about just how this music really works. But uh, anyway, James is pointing out that one of the big things that he avoided, based on the people he talked to and what the music was supposed to sound like, was grips. And uh, there's definitely a lot of grips the way that I played um, the mucking a Jordy's buyer there. Um, so I don't know. I'm not quite sure how much of a purist I'm going to be. I always really enjoy like how Dixon tunes sound and like that way of playing uh, kind of lowland pipe tunes. But, I, I yeah, I, it's going to take some very conscious effort to, like, break the habit of just randomly throwing in a grip or a burl. Um, but, yeah, we'll see uh, where my philosophy lands on all this stuff. Uh, let's, do, let's, let's do a Dixon tune. It's been a while. So um, I mentioned Hay for New Biggin. I've been thinking of doing Hay for New Biggin since I did uh, that other New Biggin tune uh, from the Drummond Castle manuscript. So here is William Dixon's setting for Pay for New Begin. you know, the only thing better than a William Dixon tune? Another William Dixon tune. Uh, so let's do the minuet. Uh, in the book, uh, Matt mentions that this is sort of a just a bizarre outlier of a tune that he hasn't been able to find anywhere else, and also uh, kind of bizarre since Edward II wasn't a king uh, for a very, very long time uh, during William Dixon's day, but uh, still kind of a fun tune. Uh, I kind of wish i was just excited to play these tunes y'all like i just wanted to play more and more tunes but uh, i would like to maybe revisit this one and watch some people dancing a minuet i found that was really fun and helpful with the stress fay, but this is just me playing it and no extracurricular <laughs> with me trying to do anything neat with it Yeah, it's a pretty fun tune um i didn't so i i made some adjustments to the reeds eventually but i think a lot of these recordings are before i uh kind of added some hemp and uh adjusted the drone read so they'd be a little more stable or a little more staying on so in that previous one on the set of pipes the setup is a bass a tenor and then an um, an e-drone which sounds really cool and you can hear the e-drone at the beginning of that tune and i think at a certain point the pressure gets too much and the e drum cuts out, uh, which I think I have alleviated that it's it's not doing that anymore. Um, but Like I said, still still getting comfortable with the pressure and kind of where everything should be sounding with these pipes. So I think the next tune I'm going to play is Laws of the Kilts, which I've already posted on social media, so if you follow um, the podcast page on Facebook, you've probably heard it. Uh, but it's a good excuse to talk about uh, the show Men in Kilts. Um, I'm not going to talk about outlander much because uh i have found that if you say anything bad about outlander uh it kind of can spoil friendships uh but what i will say is i'm absolutely kind of loving the men's with kilts or men with kilts show uh in part that might be because like i'm watching it with my mom like and we're inside with a window cracked and a fan going and it's like the first time that we've been inside together uh, since the pandemic um i mean we're still both masked and i've got the the korean version of the uh n95 masks but um but it's still just like it's really fun to watch those with my mom uh, anyway but on this week's episode of men with kilts they talk about music um and ian McGilbury's on there who i've never met personally but like have several mutual friends because ian spent some a significant amount of time in duluth i think uh but i was really excited like last week's uh Isaac and I were talking a lot about Simon McTavish's Piper, George Mackay. And Ian talks about Simon McTavish on the episodes and kind of mentions that, uh, Simon McTavish and William McGilvery, um, have like a connection. I'm assuming that Ian was just excited or something, or they edited it wrong because the details were a little off. So like Simon McTavish was William McGilvery's uncle. It's sort of an interesting relationship, um, I've, I've gone to Simon McTavish's birthplace and, uh, and Garthbeg, which is just kind of south, south, just south of the kind of western shore of Loch Ness by, I don't know, maybe two or three miles. Um, but it's a, it's a lovely place, still an active farm. Um, but it's, it's something that's always kind of startled me. So Simon McTavish, his, uh, sister wound up marrying, uh, William McGilvery's father. They kind of lived on, uh, like just pretty close. It was, probably like a five mile walk or so maybe less than that to get to the two different homesteads. Uh, but anyway, the interesting thing about it is Simon McTavish's dad was a taxman for Lord Lovett. And the, like my, like I said, my mom was pretty into Outlander. And as she was talking to me about it and like, finally got me to read it and kind of forced me to read it. I was just startled at the names. Cause it seems like Jamie Fraser's character the similarities between jamie fraser and simon mctavish's dad are kind of funny um so simon mctavish's dad like i said was a taxman for lord lovett uh, interestingly if you go to the farm where simon mctavish was born they still brand the cattle llgb for lord lovett garthbeg uh, garthbeg is the name of the place um but anyway so he was a taxman for lord lovett And after the Jacobite Rebellion, uh, Simon's dad John was not forgiven. So uh, a couple years, you know, within two or three years after the um, after Culloden, most of you know the Jacobites were forgiven and kind of could move on, Uh, but. There was, you know, a list of people that weren't, and Simon McTavish's dad was one of those people. And so he changed his name and was kind of known as John Dew Frazier. He changed his name to Frazier, or John Black Frazier. And that's how he winds up um, coming to, you know, Canada, or the States. Uh, well, not the States, but coming to America anyway, is with the 78th Frazier Highlanders, but still using that name of, of John Frazier. Uh, he got wounded at uh, Louisburg and... Um, yeah, he survived though. I think, and returns home, but his his family kind of take his land allotment in upstate New York for you know participating in the war. Anyway, so it's just kind of interesting to see. Uh, I was not expecting when watching a kind of fun romp through uh, the you know through Scotland, talking about music, to see Simon McTavish's head pop up on stars. So. Uh, Fun, fun show, and interesting bit of history. So anyway, so Men in Kilts is the name of the show. This tune from James Aird is Lads with the Kilts. Uh, He's got a Gaelic name for it, too. This is another tune that sits perfectly on Highland Pipes, save one note. And I had a little bit better handle of the instrument by the time I recorded this, uh, so I get up into that second, or that high B, a little bit better. Anyway, so here is James Aird's Lads with the Kilts. It's not too bad i'm pretty pretty pleased with that uh it's been interesting like i said so um i this this week i started like my procrastination behavior was to read back issues of the common stock which is the kind of newsletter for the lowland and border piper societies that's their, their newsletter for the society and kind of reading the first couple issues were interesting kind of I've gained some things that uh, it seems clear that the the second half octave kind of shows up as a way to um like try to keep up with fiddles you know as fiddles are coming in with their wider range um you know lowland pipers are trying to keep up with that maybe is how it's happening and it takes some innovation and even the way they talk about it in the 18th century is that it's kind of hot shots that pull it off or like rock and roll piping uh, and it's been interesting, like I said, having these conversations with James McDonald Reed, uh, he clearly still sees it as, you know, some, some flim-flam, <laughs> some unnecessary, uh, unnecessary stuff. But, uh, man, when it works, I really like it. Uh, there is that challenge to kind of keeping everything in tune in the second octave, which I, I know is a challenge with Ellen pipes too, although, uh, not with the one that I just got. Um i will talk more about that later. But uh, so, yeah, uh, the third issue, the third issue of, you know, reading, reading through these things, reading through the, the old issues of Common Stocks, I got the sense that there were still a robust, you know, a large number of pipers, I maybe mean, not large, but there were still people playing lowland pipes or the border pipes, uh, you know, in the early 20th century. And in my head, the revival of that instrument kind of kicks off in the 80s maybe the late 70s and so I was like man it was such a narrow window like just a couple generations that it was that it was gone and then in the third issue there's an image of jimmy wilson playing pipes from 1965 i think is what it is and my brain just was like wait like did this actually not go extinct like did this music was there a through line uh and so i i posted on the forum kind of asking you know if like when the revival started, if Jimmy Wilson was still playing, or was there actually a through line of of people playing? And yeah, James McDonald Reed started commenting about kind of his history and interest with uh, Lowland pipes uh, or you know border pipes. We call them often, and. You know that there was this kind of earlier wave of it and not only was there an earlier wave of of interest in people playing the instrument but there were still people around that that knew what they were doing um and kind of were part of a, a continuous tradition which is just fascinating uh like i said i think i said earlier i'm really hoping that the lowland and border piper society uh that somebody there writes an article about um uh, about James that's like kind of knows the right questions to ask. I am planning to uh, hopefully have James on the podcast at some point, or maybe do an oral history with him or something. Uh, If not over the phone, next time I can get to Scotland, but uh, some really interesting stuff. But James did mention uh, that he, so he competed one time at one of the kind of early lowland and border piping society meetings. And, you know, again, i think it's interesting james looked to um you know northumbrian pipers to kind of use and play tunes that were you know still part of this border tradition um, and he actually wound up copying or copying but playing billy pig's setting for a tune called Sky Crofters. so billy pig was a really important northumbrian small piper uh, and kind of member of the northumbrian piper society from you know, the early 20th century, so like 1930 or so. Uh, but he's really interesting cat. His dad played Highland bagpipes and it is, it's clear that Billy was influenced by that and Ellen piping a little bit as well. Uh, but still having that, that awesome kind of bubbly Northumbrian sound in his playing too. Um, but I get this, I think James actually met with and learned this tune from Billy. Um, it's not like he was looking at YouTube in the seventies and eighties, but, um, But anyway, Billy Pig, the recording of Billy Pig playing Skycrofters is on YouTube still. So uh, anyway, I posted it. Uh, I'll have that link in the description. And when I uh, posted looking for help on that in the Northumbrian piping group, um, Matt Seattle posted the notes to it as well as um, somebody else posted too. Because they've they've published a whole book of Billy Pig's music. Uh, Actually, two books is what it looks like. Um... So yeah, Julius Say sent me kind of the notes for the tune as well. So uh, anyway, if you want to look at the, the notes for this, you can either learn them by ear by watching Billy Pig play it, or listening to Billy Pig play it, there's no video, uh, or you can kind of join the Northumbrian piping news group to see Matt Seattle's uh, posted thing here. Uh, so yeah, so this is me playing. I'm trying to emulate Billy Pig's version as much as I can, but I'm sure I still have some, um, some bad habits that, kind of creep in here um but yeah yeah, so it's it's been a really it's been a really interesting week (laughs) and my internal timeline of um the lowland pipes is is really shifting so um yeah i I was telling james that i feel like it's wrong maybe to call it a like there's certainly a revival of interest there's you know it feels like a pretty strong tradition now with lots of people playing it um maybe not as many people playing those like lowland tunes, um, lowland style playing, as much as I like. But there's lots of people with lowland pipes and uh, border pipes playing these tunes. Or playing other tunes, anyway. But um, so yeah, maybe it's wrong to call it extinct. But uh, maybe the n- nadir, you know, like the the lowest point in in piping, when maybe there's only one or two people alive that were still playing, kind of part of a consistent tradition uh, in the kind of middle of the 20th century. But some of that, some of that knowledge, definitely kind of came through so anyway here is the skycrofter uh here's skycrofters rather from billy pig courtesy of james mcdonald reed so when i went looking for the notes um, some people came to my rescue there and john Daly also pointed out uh that he had seen you know that there's uh, an ancestor of that tune in you know of a different name so uh he posted in a version of it called uh, dr bett's supper and uh, dr bett supper actually shows up in david glenn's collection of tunes probably from around the 1880s or so so i'm going to play that setting now it is a Very different kettle of fish from how Billy Pig does it with all the kind of extended or not extended, but the full on Tarluas and grips and that sort of thing. Uh, Again, I'm not sure that I do it justice, but uh, here's a bit of a flavor for what that tune sounded like when using the Highland pipe setting for it. Last week, or maybe the week before, Robert Feldsberg for The Quiet Piper. Uh, You can see his just beautiful instruments on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, But he posted a video of himself playing some of his pipes, and he was playing some of my favorite Dixon tunes, uh, specifically uh, Over the Dyke and Till Her Lady. So I decided to play it. I think this is Lady. It might be Laddie. The spelling is always optional, uh, it seems like, in the Dixon tunes from how we do it nowadays. And looking at some of the similar tunes in other collections it seems like it's referencing a woman sometimes and sometimes not so anyway if it's if it's laddie apologies but here is over the dyke until her lady just do another quick departure from william dixon uh sort of so i'm going to play another drummond manuscript tune so i i recorded stool of repentance last year which is um has pretty much become my absolute favorite dixon tune to play and kind of experiment with um so i'm going to do another crack at it here Uh, but i'm going to play the tune border reel which is in that drummond castle manuscript uh, from david young from 1734 as well and definitely the same the same tune uh but much shorter version of it of course um the stool of repentance and dixon has six or seven parts and Drummond castle manuscript only has two uh but here is my playing of it the neat thing about it in the Drummond castle manuscript is it has some embellishments in it um but very sparing so you can kind of see there's like kind of occasional doublings but it's it's a pretty you know straight performance but i think david young is i mean it's mostly fiddle tunes anyway but um it's, it's still i feel like it's probably evident of how people were used to playing those uh playing those lowland tunes of kind of minimal gracing and just sticking close to melody notes so i tried to do that my first time through with this tune anyway so here is border reel from the german castle manuscript All right, so uh, that's a good kind of spoiler for what's coming next, which is Stool of Repentance. I think the reason I'm attracted to this tune, uh, especially just sort of the way it's, it's talked about and I don't know, the the tune lends itself, I feel like, to telling a story of kind of being shamed publicly. And to me, the, the tune, because of the way that these Lowland tunes and Dixon's kind of variation sets build, that it's a tale of being um harassed and demeaned in public by your preacher and then kind of throwing off those shackles and dancing anyway that's sort of how i always feel about it and the nice thing about border pipes is they lend themselves so much to uh the kind of expanded fingerings you know to be able to play in a couple a te- uh, couple keys and get those c and f naturals in there really well uh, so i played it this time through uh kind of as a in minor, I, I suppose, kind of played around with it Does you know, the the way that this progression goes is the person is depressed and being publicly shamed and all of that, and then eventually they, they throw off the shackles and the tune is played again much happier and not in those alternative keys, but, you know, I have different ideas about how to play this tune pretty much every time I play it, uh, this time I actually had twice. I had very different interpretations that I wound up changing around and I have still never been happy with it. So I I think this tune is going to be with me (laughs) forever, just coming up with different versions of it. Um, yeah, so that's how we're going to leave the podcast this week. I got something else in the mail too, and this is by not including it on this week's episode. I hope that it will motivate me to write my dissertation faster. Um, so, not only did I get a lovely set of lowland pipes, but sitting behind me right now is a, uh, Kohler and Quinn Allen pipe chanter that is just getting used to the ambient, uh, room temperature and humidity here in Iowa before I play it. So, uh, when we come back, uh, once I finish this chapter, I will have kind of my dream chanter to to play for y'all so probably that episode is going to be all Illin pipes since this one was all Olin pipes uh anyway thanks everybody for listening and writing in uh like i said a lot has been happening this week uh so i'm sure i've left some things out that i meant to talk about or kind of respond to but uh, and thanks again john charles for these just beautiful pipes um yeah it's been an absolute dream to have them and get them working and kind of start to enjoy them and figure out what they are capable of so yeah that is that thanks everybody here to go out is the stool of repentance and we'll be back in a couple of weeks